You're listening to the She Leads Me podcast, episode number 22 with Barbara Hewson, best-selling author, teacher, and wealth coach. You're listening to the She Leads Me podcast, where women come together for powerful conversations around life and leadership. Each episode will bring you conversations with incredible women in leadership, tools you need as a badass female pioneer, and spicy topics around business and leadership. I am your host, Heather Simpson. My mission is to educate and empower women in leadership positions, taking them to the next level in their journey and career. Welcome to She Leads Me. Hello, She Leaders. Thank you for joining us today. I am going to get right to introducing you to today's guest. Her name is Barbara Hewson, formerly known as Barbara Staney, and she is the leading authority on women, wealth, and power. She is the best-selling author of multiple books, and she's also a teacher and wealth coach. And Barbara has helped millions literally take charge of their finances and their lives. She grew up as the daughter of the R in H&R Block. So talk about a history and a background. Not only does she have that as her background, but her background in business, her years as a journalist paired with a master's degree in counseling psychology, plus her extensive research and personal experience with money, all of those things give her a unique perspective and makes her the foremost expert on empowering women to live up to their financial and personal potential. She has been seen and featured on many different media outlets, including Good Morning America, The View, Extra, The O'Reilly Report, and featured many times, many times on CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, Fox News, PBS, and NPR, as well as the New York Times and USA Today. I couldn't have brought you a more perfect person to talk to you about empowering yourself around money. Please welcome Barbara Hello, Barbara. Thank you for joining us on the She Leads Me podcast today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm really excited to introduce our guests to you. And you are the leading authority on women, wealth, and power. For those of our listeners that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about what that means and what you do. So, I okay, so, Heather, I swear to God, this is not something I thought I'd do when I grew up. <laughs> so, I I came from a wealthy family. My father's the R of H&R Block. And the only advice he ever gave me about money was don't worry, which I thought was great That's advice. so interesting. I didn't, I didn't worry. And uh, he took care of everything, and I married a man who was a lawyer, and then he became, when he went to work for Block. And then he became a stockbroker, so he was perfect. Well, what I found out very early in our marriage is he was a compulsive gambler. And over the 15 years that we were married, I find out every year, several times a year, that he was gambling my money, my inheritance away. And here's the insane part. I continued to let him manage it because I was so terrified, so intimidated by anything financial. And I remember – after our divorce, we finally got a divorce. And I remember thinking, I don't want to deal with money. Money's not my thing. I don't want to deal with it. Well, I have this theory that if you don't deal with your money, your money will deal with you. Mm. 
And in the next year, I got tax bills for over a million dollars for back taxes. My exit. Oh my gosh! The deals he got us in. My signature was on everything. I did not have a million dollars. Not even close to it. My ex had left the country. My father wouldn't lend me the money. That's when I knew I had to get smart. I, I had to. Oh I had three gosh. daughters. One was just a baby. I could not raise them on the street. I wasn't even talking to my parents. And so I started going to classes and reading books, and, and my eyes would glaze over. My brain would fog up, and I just feel terminally stupid. But I feel when you have a commitment, a down-to-your-toes commitment, the universe revolves to help you reach your goal. Mm. And I was... Uh, writing for San Francisco, I was a journalist writing for the San Francisco Business Times, and I was hired for a writing project to interview women who were smart with money. They assigned and that those, project to you. What? They assigned that project to you, or that was your chosen project? It was, it was a freelance project. A, okay. a nonprofit organization hired me. Okay. It's called Resourceful Women to interview women who were smart with money. How and amazing! And it's like, you know, I, I, I it's like crazy amazing those interviews changed my life yeah. i not only got and this was 25 years ago so i not only got smart about money but i wrote my first book prince charming isn't coming how women get smart about money and i've written five more books since then and i'm on my sixth seventh wow so yeah. so you work with women specifically or do you work with both men and women no, I work with women. Women specifically. specifically. And you, and every, so you, every you, once in a while, yeah. I'll, I'll work with couples. I'll, sure. The, the husband's having, but the wife's having trouble with her husband. But no, right. I work with women exclusively. And I do coaching and teaching. Fabulous. So your, your story then, that must, is that the driving force? Is that the reason why you're so passionate about educating and empowering women? Oh, totally. Yeah. I totally believe. That God gave me my family. God gave me my ad- addictive husband. Uh-huh. And that this is what I was meant to do. It, it's so clear to me. Yeah. And that's why, yeah, I am totally passionate. That's so interesting to me that your father being who he was and building what he built chose to not educate you about this. Do you, do you have siblings or... Um, yeah, did, I have- I have two daughters. Now, if we had been sons, he would have definitely educated us. But That's my, what I was father, wondering. Yeah, my, my father was a huge chauvinist, and he was a product of his times. And I remember one time saying, I was on a radio show. We were both on a radio show together. This is after some book had come out. And and the, the interviewer said to him, Mr. Block, why didn't you want your daughters? Why didn't you teach your daughters? And he said, I mean, it was really touched my heart. Uh, he said, I really didn't want my girls to worry about money. Yeah. And he really didn't. Yeah. It never occurred to him. It never occurred to him. Hmm. So then in the process that you went through, you mentioned that you knew that your husband was bad with money and he was doing what he was doing. How far into your marriage did you realize that? And then how much farther did you let it go before things changed for you? I realized when my second daughter we had, a, we had a daughter. My second daughter was born. My husband went to my father to ask him for a loan because we saw a new house. Mm. And my husband comes over, and I come home from work that night, and my husband and my mother and my father are sitting there, and my father says, very seriously, Barbara, we got to talk. Did you know your husband has lost most of your money? <sighs> and I remember saying, yes, I know, because I was so shocked 
I was so humiliated. I was so ashamed. I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't let them know. I didn't know. Oh my gosh. So you and, chose to then align I, with your husband in that moment and, and act like everything was fine. No. Oh my gosh. I, yes. I, I can't say I chose to align with my husband. That was me going into denial. That was okay. me going, it's, you know, it's very common <laughs> when you see something, you hear something that you don't want, and it is completely out of your bailiwick that is just not like out of possibility. Mm-hmm. And so I stayed with him for what, 12 more years after that? Because oh I could not, I, I was terrified of money. I could not see, I could not see raising my babies alone. I could not see being alone. Yeah. I, I was I was one hot mess. Let me just tell you, I was one hot mess. <laughs> I think we all have that moment in our life where we identify ourselves as a hot mess. <laughs> oh, the, 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 this was years, and I always said to my girls, I have three girls, they're all grown, and I said, when you graduate college, you're on your own, but I promise I will always pay for your therapy because I'm the one that screwed you up. <laughs> I, therapy is so important, whether you know, like there was any outside it, issues or not right like it's just so important anyways i love that you're a supporter of that (laughs) so good um so then okay so your your parents find out so then that obviously creates a strain on your guys's relationship then right with your parents strain strain we didn't talk for years oh my god years uh i i i got i took out my anger on them Mm. and then we moved away and i we moved to san francisco oh i I wasn't talking for them for years, on and off, on and off. So what were um, the conversations like with your husband then at that time? What I mean, after that whole conversation where your dad gives you this revelation, how how did that go? My husband, if you've ever, if anyone listening has ever been with an addict, you will totally get this. My husband said, I promise I will never do it again. Mm. And me, being codependent, said, okay (laughs) and every year i find out but the important thing i think here is that i i i i really got up i i I fell down i was a hot mess Mm -hmm. and then i got up and i got smart right and and i and that's why i'm doing what i'm doing because research shows us women do not get serious about managing or making a lot of money until we hit a crisis, mm-hmm. until we lose a job, lose a spouse, or in the brink of retirement, which is the worst time to start. Mm-hmm. And so my message is, you know, start. It's not – learning about money is so much simpler than you think. Creating wealth, you don't need a lot of money to create wealth. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's just small steps consistently taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely can resonate with that when the with you bringing up like women don't get smart about until they hit a crisis that happened to me with my ex husband, where there was, we had a life we had our children. And then we, you know, made the choice amicably to get divorced, like we didn't have any type of big drama or anything, but he was the primary source of our income. And throughout our divorce, he chose to leave the country we didn't know where he went and i chose to date the wrong guy right like we both chose like really you know horrible uh ways to deal with our divorce but in that process i ended up facing foreclosure on my home my car was repossessed out of my driveway like and that's when i realized like oh my gosh what am i doing i need to snap out of this and 
realized that I do need to become smarter as well. So I totally resonate and can see how women do have a pattern and history of doing that and only when it's dire needs are necessary to to have to get smarter so about Heather, it. Yeah. Let me ask you, what what enabled you to go from this place of shock and not, and foreclosure to where you are now because you you've really been very quite successful oh <laughs> thank you um for me it was looking at my two children so so in that process we actually um my kids and I moved into a, a little apartment and the house sat empty my car was already gone and I was trying to deal with the house through like short sailing it, but because he, my ex-husband was gone and he was also on the mortgage, I, I couldn't do anything because they needed access to him as well. And so I made a choice in that moment to either be a victim of my life or take ownership and step up. And so I called the bank and I, I asked them like, hey, is there anything that I can do to get this house back? And they said, you know, you have to move back in, you have to go through an application process, you have to, you know, X, Y, and Z of things. And in that moment, I then asked them like, okay, so I could go through all of this and you could still then deny me, right? I could move back in and you would deny me? And they said, yes. And I said, okay, I'm going to make it happen. And so I moved back into the house. I applied for this loan modification. I tried to figure it out. They denied me because it was so far behind in payments. They actually said no. And then they said, you have two weeks to either pay this back owed money, which was $50,000, and mm. or you ha- you're homeless. And I looked at my children and I just was like, that's not an option for me. And so I went out and talked to a couple of different like private investors and I found the money and I paid high interest and I paid that on top of my mortgage payment and eventually paid it off and and worked it out. But it was that intentional choice to not be the victim anymore and take ownership of that life because I was just as much responsible as my ex-husband in this and I had to recognize that in myself. Wow. That's quite a stunning, <laughs> that's quite a stunning, inspiring story. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Is that just resiliency and, you know, which attributes to a lot of where I've come from since then, right? And it's just, yeah, building, building my success and taking ownership of that. Just like you did in that moment, too. I mean, I couldn't even imagine like a million dollars in back owed taxes. How did you go from that you're interviewing all these successful people how did you even overcome that you weren't talking to your family you know you had no backup plan how did you deal with that how did you overcome that so um so what happened is i hired these pitbull lawyers so if you're getting a divorce or you have a lawsuit you get a pitbull for a lawyer so i got a pitbull for a lawyer and they decided they were going to declare me innocent spouse that i knew nothing Mm. so they declared innocent spouse well my ex who was now overseas who was a former lawyer wrote this very impressive legal brief to the judge saying who my father was and that i absolutely knew what was going on with the money and it was all my fault Ugh. So the good news is, so I was panicky, 
still not talking to my parents. So I still had some of my trust left. There was some it it was there was some piece of my trust they couldn't sell. He couldn't get to. So I I sold it and my what my lawyers did is they negotiated down dramatically. So mm-hmm. if I sold everything in my trust, everything, but I still had a few properties. Mm-hmm. So if I sold everything, I could pay that negotiated bill and I had from the properties, I had enough coming off that if I lived frugally and saved a lot, my children and I would be okay. And I remember I was taking I was taking a walk with a girlfriend and I got several text bills. The first one was for five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. The second one was for eight hundred and something thousand. But the first one, after the first one, I was walking with my girlfriend and I said, Oh my god, what am I gonna do? I don't have five hundred thousand. She and she said, I've got a mantra for you. She said, this half million is making me millions. This half million is making me millions. And that became my mantra. Believe me, Heather. It it seemed like outrageous that anything like that would ever happen. Mm -hmm. But I had to – it was like I was holding on to shreds, to smoke. And sure enough, I have made millions because I got smart about investing. I got very smart and I've done really well. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah, to to build off of your experiences and your learning and to be able to share that message with other people that are in somewhat similar situations and, and or maybe not and just for the purpose no. of, of educating them and getting them, you know, working within and knowing what's going on in their bank account. So, see, here's here's what I – I see there are three levels of financial development. Okay. There's survival, stability, and affluence. Mm-hmm. Survival is not enough. Stability is enough. And affluence is more than enough. Mm-hmm. My my uh, sweet spot, my, my passion is getting women from stability and maybe wobbly stability to affluence. Because mm-hmm. affluence is where the power is. Yes. Affluence is where the fun is. It's not just about amassing riches, having more money. It's about what you can do with your money to make a difference in the world. Mm. And so the, it's interesting that wealth, the, the root word of the word wealth is wheel in Latin, which means well-being. And mm-hmm. I really believe that's what creating wealth is all about. Really creating a life of well-being where you can live on your own terms. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing. I didn't know that about the word wealth. That's uh, that's incredible. So somebody comes to you. They're let's say they're maybe completely overwhelmed, or they just want to learn more. Do you have everybody like start in the same spot? Do you find that there's like the basic fundamental principles you're teaching people? How do you get no. started when you're working with people? Is it is it more one on one? their individual story? Well, let me explain how I work. So I, I work with privately coaches and I have two groups that I work with, but one of those groups is just private coaching. So the way I coach, and I've been doing this for 25 years, is, and I usually found that I can get a woman past her resistance and into clarity because nobody comes to me unless they're confused, overwhelmed, terrified, or some degree of the above. Mm-hmm. And I can get them into clarity and pass their resistance and launched in about six sessions. Sometimes it takes around 10. But, wow. And what I have them do is be very, very, very clear. 
before our first session, they have to write to me what their goals are for our work together, what they want, what exactly they want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Because I, I learned when I wrote my very first book that women's problems with money are not about money. They're never about money. They are about their fear of or ambivalence about power. Because really, it's who we have to become to become a container that can hold, sustain, and grow that wealth. Mm -hmm. So so the, the power question is always, what do I want? So I have them getting very clear on what they want. And out of that clarity, I design the coaching. And it's a combination of what I call the outer work of wealth, the inner work of wealth, and the higher work of wealth. And the Outer work is, you know, the practical stuff, how to tell a difference between a stock and a bond and doing a retirement plan and all that. Negotiating a salary. The, the, then when people, some people just can do the outer work and no problem, but people don't c- come to me. They have problems with that outer work. They have mm-hmm. problems getting it. Mm-hmm. They have problems like me who I, I couldn't even see the numbers. Then you go to the inner work which is dealing with your attitudes, your beliefs, your decisions you made about yourself and money growing up to the present. Because so much of our, our, beha- our behavior with money is inherited from our family of origin. Mm. And so it's doing that inner work, really processing the beliefs and the, 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 the barriers they have built against their abundance. And then we look at the higher work. And the higher work is is the spiritual part. And I really believe that you and I, and you know this, Heather, we are all on this planet for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And we are, and I, I am, I love to work with purpose-driven women, women who are here to play full out. But as, uh, as, as Michael Beckwith, who was in The Secret, the, the Reverend Michael Beckwith said, mm-hmm. how can you be the light of the world if you can't pay your light bill? So mm-hmm. it's like, I want to help women be the light of the world, but they can't if they're struggling to make ends meet. So part of what I do is help them find their purpose, find the fire in the belly that will drive them past their obstacles, past their fear, past their uh, their confusion, so into clarity. That's amazing. That it's really in depth, and that's not your typical what you see in you know financial blogs. Like here's five steps on how to you know clean Correct. up your bank account or whatever. I yeah, because I. I I read all those blog. Well, I didn't, they didn't have blogs there, but I read all those articles, and I still couldn't do it. And it wasn't until I started doing the inner work that I cracked the code, that I saw the blogs. I saw how scared I was to get smart. I would not let myself. I would not let myself until I got this. Did you realize that the inner work needed to be done when you were interviewing for this journalist job that you were doing? When you were interviewing the women about men, like wealthy women? Yeah. Is yeah. that when you yeah. realized that there was more well, than I, just... I, no, I realized it before that because uh, I was getting really, really, really scared. Mm. And I was still – I was working for the San Francisco Business Times, making no money to speak of. And uh, just and, and my, my bookkeeper told me, if you don't start making money, we're going to declare this work as a hobby. And that, that was very felt very humiliating. So I went to therapy. And I remember sitting in the therapist's office and I said, oh, Daniel, I really want to get smart. I want to get smart so bad. Help me get smart. And he looked at me and he said, no, you don't. And it's like I couldn't argue. That the first time I saw there was a part of me. It's like he took the air out of my balloon. There was a part of me that didn't want to. That, that, that was such a surprise to me. I never saw that. But 
as we got to know that part, I was scared. I was scared my parents wouldn't love me. I was scared a man wouldn't love me if I became financially successful. I really believed that. Mm-hmm. And so as we worked on that, and as I heard these women's stories who I was interviewing, how much of the inner work they were doing, uh, it just, it kind of, the veils lifted. Yeah. The veils in, in fact, I remember going to a class. It was called Women, Wealth, and Power. This was way back. And I was, it was in Berkeley. And I was going to and, – and there was a whole group of women sitting around a circle. And in the middle of a circle was a pile of netting, like bridal netting, you know. Uh-huh. And the teacher said, in this class, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lift the veils of confusion and ignorance. And under that, she lifted the veils and there was the Wall Street Journal. And I've never forgotten that because that's when I really started realizing I needed to lift the veils of – the, all the, 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 the beliefs I had about myself and money and what was possible in being a woman. So, yes, that's when it came to pass. And I did have to do the same thing. So then uh, I wrote my second book. My agent suggested it. She, she called and she said, Barbara, why don't you write a book about women who are making a lot of money because they're making more money than ever before? And immediately I thought, wait a minute. I, I imagine them as, as totally intimidated, does intimidating designer dress snobs and, and I did this little out of body thing and if I thought if I don't like successful women how, co- how can I let myself become one so I started so I wrote my book secrets of uh, secrets of six-figure women interviewed 154 women who made six and seven figures and I started making six, six figures before I even finished writing that book mm-hmm. before I even finished writing that book and that was in the year 2000 I've been making six figures more since that's incredible. So you have a couple of like in-person things that you do, right? Like you open up your work to workshops. Is that correct? Do you still do that? Not, any, not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, oh, okay. I, I have two. I have an online community called the Wealth Connection. Okay. Which we talk about money several times a month. We have calls. We talk about money. I have experts and I do coaching. And we, we just, it's women talking about money with women, which has been my dream. That's I just think it's our secrecy and silence that keeps us stuck. And the more we can talk about the, you know, well, tell me what, what's the difference between a treasury note and a corporate bond? Or, oh my God, I'm so scared. I can't do this. I can't tell my husband I'm doing this. Anything we, we talk about. Okay. And then I, and then I do uh, the, I have a mentorship program, a five-month mentorship program, which is called Rewire. Uh, a rewire mentorship program and there I'm incorporating my new body of work which is neuroscience and I've been doing this for I don't know I think this will will be my fourth group coming up and so that's what I'm so I don't do any live work now because I'm working on my proposal for my next book called the rewire response Mind mind training for wealth building tell us a little bit more about that about that neuroscience um connection what made you want to write that book or do that work because four years ago, I think it was four years ago, um, I was, you know, I was doing my, I, I love my do, job. I think you could tell I love my work. I'm yes, passionate absolutely. <laughs> and something happened four years ago where I lost interest in what I was doing. And I remember sitting, in a, and you know Allie Brown. I do. You know, mm-hmm. And so okay, I was working with her. She was a coach. There was a group of us sitting around, and we were to talk about what we were supposed to, we wanted to work on. And it came my turn, and out of my mouth came, 
I want to take a, I want to take a sledgehammer to my business model and smash it to smithereens. I was done. I was wow. done. I didn't even know it was that bad. And I, I went home and I just said, I've had it. Something's wrong. Something's missing. I kept having this feeling something's missing. I, or maybe I was sabotaging myself. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But I stopped seeing clients. I, I just pretty much went off the grid. And I prayed. I prayed a lot. You know, show me if something's missing. And I was willing to give it all up. Mm-hmm. And one day I was online and, you know, in my email, in my inbox, there was an article about neuroscience. And I read this, this article about neuroscience and I thought, holy moly. It was like my brain must have gone off like a, a, like a winning slot machine. That said, this is it. This is the missing piece. And, I, and so what I did is I combined neuroscience, which is the study of the brain, with psychology, which is the study of the mind, to create a mind-tating program based on spirituality, especially A Course of Miracles, but also Buddhism, too, mm. and combine that with personal finance and created this whole new body of work, which has been incredibly effective. And what I found is it's not enough to just think differently. To think differently, that's, that's the first step, but you have to literally rewire your brain. Mm-hmm. Like what flows through your mind wires your brain. So if you're always thinking, oh, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, then what happens is it's kind of, every time it's going to dig that ditch, that, that wiring, that neural pathway deeper and deeper and deeper until you start creating because the brain only wants to see what it believes is true. You start creating, you start unconsciously creating not enough. And it's very frustrating. But changing neural pathways, rewiring, is extremely hard. There's just, it's like going against a gravitational force. And you have uh, – and also, every time you think a thought, a cascade of chemicals goes to that neural pathway. And these chemicals wire it in. But when you try to do it differently, you, you – absolutely go through withdrawal literal withdrawal from those chemicals so you want to go back wow and so what i also found what has been amazing to me because most of my clients i would say 100 percent of them are are uh are are stable or affluent mm-hmm. but so many of them had nothing to show for it and what i realized years several years ago is they were creating unconsciously financial chaos as a distraction from the pain of the earlier trauma and stress and abuse they had uh, they had uh, experienced. Wow. And, and in order to work past that trauma, it required rewiring of the brain. That must be so freeing for your clients to go through that experience and hit that level where they're able to just break that pattern for themselves it's mind-boggling yeah it's mind-boggling i even used it i i've used this this body of work this this formula i created i even used it for writing because writing has always been okay i've written seven books altogether one mm-hmm. one's out of writing has been such a painful process it's just been it's been horrible i just my my ego says you write shit it's horrible no one's gonna read it no publisher's gonna buy it blah 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 and it's a miserable experience for me 
So I decided to rewire my brain. And I did. And this year, I was just telling my girlfriend, this year I went started my proposal a few months ago, and it's been a pleasure. Not because the writing's easy, because writing's never easy for me, mm-hmm. but because I would not let my, my thoughts go to the panic that I get. I, I went instead to having pleasure with cleaning up the crap that I had written instead of focusing on the crap. Mm. Wow. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Is that, do you find that that's uh, like, so there, there's clearly been various evolutions of you in this process. Do you find that on the brink of each evolution that there's also like this emotional component too that you find yourself just kind of shedding? Like, is that, is that an emotional experience for you or is that a pretty clean cut and dry oh. once you realize it or no. it's, Oh my God. We women, it's hard to have an experience. <laughs> it's hard to have growth without emotion. I mean, I know very few. Some days it's hard to do anything without emotion. Let's just yeah, be exactly. honest. <laughs> this is what the financial industry doesn't get. That right. for women, money, is a very emotional experience. Uh-huh. And yeah, because a lot of people think of it just so black and white. Like it's just, you know, it's it's money, it's a currency, it's, you know, and they don't think of it like that, that tie or attachment to it in that way. It is a very, because it's not just learning about money. It's who we have to become. The powerful woman we have to become to be a good steward of our money. And to me, a powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants, and expresses that in the world unapologetically. Mm. And that means speaking up, speaking our truth, not saying yes when we mean no, not watering ourselves down so we don't rock anyone else's boat. And this is scary for women. This is very scary. It's vulnerable. It's it's very vulnerable. And also, I remember when I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, and I, uh, I was interviewing a psychologist, and that's where I first started getting glimpses of how women, it wasn't the money, it was afraid of their power, what they had to do to become financially savvy and financially successful. And I remember saying to her, why do you think women are so afraid of their power? And she said to me, what gave me chills, is powerful women have been burned at the stake. Yeah. So I think we have been culturally conditioned over generations mm-hmm. to, to dim down. A great movie, but I didn't know it was about neuroscience when I saw it, but uh, well, oh, years ago, 15 years ago, so it's an old movie. When I was, uh, I got, I got divorced and I was dating all these, my, my second divorce, and I was dating all these uh, inappropriate men, shall we say, mm-hmm. and, and, and my therapist pointed out to me how I had linked pain with love ever since I grew up. And so I kept creating these painful relationships. And she told me to see uh, What the Bleep Do We Know. Did you ever see that? I did not, no. It's called What the Bleep Do We Know. And you can down, I don't know, you can probably find it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But it, it showed me how every time we have an emotion, every time we have a thought, a feeling, we, we release chemicals, neuropeptides, that we literally, our body literally starts getting a dependency on. Mm-hmm. And I realized I had this wacky <laughs> dependency on men who treated me bad because mm-hmm. that was love. And so that, that I started rewiring them. I didn't even know that's what I was doing because I sure found I've been with him for 11 years now, my husband. And, yeah. yeah. 
He's good. He's, he's amazing. Good. <laughs> and you, he's you, so you changed your last name then from the former, and yeah. you're just living fully in this new space and this new work that you're doing. And it just it sounds so incredible. Congratulations on everything. It's just oh, you're so really sweet. amazing. I'm just excited you for you. Okay, so I could talk to you all. I'm just like fascinated by this work. I'll have to like schedule some time with you after the call. <laughs> We can do that. Um, we can. Uh, to wrap up, what would be, like, if there's somebody listening and if you could just give them, like, their top three tips for taking maybe some ownership or some leadership of their situation or their finances, a couple of first places to start, what would you say to our listeners? Okay. I'll tell you, because I have learned that learning about money is not nearly as complicated as it seems. There's a whole industry to convince us otherwise. Mm. It's really small steps consistently taken. And I'm going to give you three steps. And if you do these three steps, and I guess it's part of rewiring your brain, but you do these three steps for four months and you will notice a a market notable difference. Mm. So the the first step is read something about money. Even if it's just for a minute. Even if... Just even if you just pick up your you're standing in the market in line and you pick up money magazine instead of people and you flip through it because so much of getting smart or smarter about money is just exposing yourself to the jargon to the current trends i would I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal because all these women I was interviewing for my book were subscribers, and my God. I couldn't understand one word it said. So I, <laughs> I took the section about business and finance and I put it on the kitchen counter and every day I walked by it. And I'm going to tell you, it's, I call it the osmosis school of learning, but it works just every day. Even like before you go to bed, read a paragraph or even a few sentences in a book. Just That's easy. In, That's in the morning, you, you just open the business section and peruse the headlines. That's it. That's it. So every day, read something about money for at least a minute. That's it. Okay. Every week, talk about money, preferably, preferably with someone that knows more than you. You know, we, we women, we don't talk about money. Our, and I think it's our secrecy and silence that keeps us stuck. But what I would do is I would meet someone smart and I would say, how did you get smart? Uh, mm. what, if, what advice do you have for me? What are some of the biggest mistakes you made? What books have you read that really helped you? Who have you talked to? Who would you suggest I talk to? Just to have the discussion. Mm-hmm. And so every day read, every week talk, and every month save. Automatically transfer, I don't care how much, smaller rather than larger is good, a certain amount of money from your paycheck or your check account automatically into a savings account. Mm-hmm. And you just, and it's mindless because you do it automatically. And it is phenomenal how much, how quickly that will build up, especially since interest rates are rising. Mm-hmm. So, Every day read, every week talk, every month save, four months, amazing. I still do it. I still do all of that. Three steps. That sounds totally doable. That's perfect. So if you're listening, go do those three things. And then they should connect with you. How do our listeners connect with you after they've listened, after they're inspired, after they want to know more from the leading authority on women, wealth, and power? Uh, You can go to my website, Barbara hyphen Houston, Barbara dash Houston, H U S O N dot com. And, uh, and if you sign up, 
my head, you get a free ebook about uh, investing. Wait, wait, investing. I, I forget. <laughs> I can't remember my ebook, but it's really good. It's about investing. It's investing made simple. And also, uh, I, I give free calls every couple months. So excellent. And, and then, so that that's the best way. Oh, I see your book. So you've got. So you've made good money. Now what? Wealth building oh, for you. successful women. Perfect. Excellent. Barbara, this has been so fascinating. I've learned so much from you today. Thank you for your time. It was such a pleasure. And we look forward to talking with you very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you.